0: Thank you for listening to the Life Church podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. Are y'all ready for this morning? I've stalled as long as I could. Uh, Today is outside of my wheelhouse. Uh, I told Colby every bit of the preparation, it's been different, it's been not my norm. Uh, As you can see, my title is on the screen. I hope you have your Bibles and your notepads. Uh, We're not going to put any of the scriptures up today. We're just going to follow along. Uh, But I always have felt like teaching and preaching on the Holy Spirit was so outside my wheelhouse. It's not my norm. It's not normally what I gravitate to. Although Holy Spirit is an incredible part of my personal life, so it's just not something I lean to a lot. So this, these, this preparation has been very different. It all started from this scripture, Romans 14 and 17. You can just write it down. You don't have to go there. We're actually going to hang out somewhere else. But if you'll just write down Romans 14 and 17, it says, The kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. This is a scripture that I have, as long as I can remember, I've been super intrigued by this scripture. Now, the context of this scripture is Paul's talking to a group of people who are uh, still operating under the law of if you eat a certain meat, it's a sin. So he's dealing with the freedoms. Thank God for the freedom that we can eat bacon. Can we all just take a moment right now? Thank you, Jesus Christ. Everything is better when you put bacon on it. And then we were... We were together for Thanksgiving and somebody found out that you could take bacon and, and cook it somehow with brown sugar on it. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Anyway, uh, back to the point. Uh, so Paul's dealing with this subject with these people who are still under the law, and because of it, they're telling new converts, "Well, no, 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 you have to do this and this in order to have your salvation. So Paul comes on, he's like, wait, wait, wait a minute. The kingdom of heaven is not about the rules. Of what you eat or drink. The kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now, there's so much to be taught in this context, but if you'll allow me this morning, I want to just extract this one scripture and use it to kind of go in the direction of dealing with the Holy Spirit. Uh, In this scripture, it's crazy because the Bible consistently interchanges Holy Ghost and Holy Spirit. Uh, You see those two different terms a lot. And I didn't feel the need to go in and deal with the fact that there's two different ones. Just know that they are both a spirit sent from God, and you need it, all right? So I was looking at this, and me being the studier that I am, I found this incredible program that you can put in a word, and it will tell you the usage of that word throughout history. In other words, I was studying this, so I typed in the word Holy Spirit, and it shows you a chart, and the chart shows you how much it was used in our language throughout history, what, when it was used a lot, when it was used a little, all these different kinds of things, and that kind of stuff just geeks me up. So I was just studying this out and looking through Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost, and I found out that we are currently living... In a time where the word Holy Ghost is used the least in our language that it's ever been used. Holy Spirit has recently spiked and it's begun to be used a little more. But we're talking, I wish I would have pulled the chart up. We're talking about going from, like if my hand is the top of the chart, the word Holy Ghost was right around in here in the late 1700s, 1800s. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden it falls and we are literally scraping the bottom of the graph. And just recently it's barely picked up. But the word Holy Ghost we're currently in. It's being used less than it's ever been used in English language. The rise of information has come at the expense of a fall of the Holy Ghost. The more I think I know, the less... I rely on someone to give me what I don't know. The more knowledge I think I have, the less I feel like I need someone to give me knowledge. It's kind of like when I was like, I don't know, let's say 16. I was so smart, I didn't need my parents to tell me anything. Because I already knew everything. So everything they knew was so old school, I didn't need to know it. And it's so true with knuckle-headed teenagers, but it's the same thing with knuckle-headed Christians. We know so much, I don't need Holy Spirit to tell me what to do today. Because I know I read my Bible. I'm just we're just going today, guys. See, because what happened at some point, we changed it from the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. Now, I'm not against the Bible. I love the Bible. I'm an avid studier of the Bible. (laughs) I almost made a bold statement like Paul, but we're going to let that one go. But what I'm saying is, we've traded saying we have a Bible for operating in the Holy Ghost. You know why? Because this in the bible belt that i currently live in to not read your bible is socially unacceptable saved or lost anybody you meet on the street can throw you some scripture anybody can throw some stuff out but the problem is when you take a book and you remove the holy ghost from it because then it's just a good history book and me being a history buff i could love this book without the holy ghost As a matter of fact, I feel like a lot of the church loves this book apart from the Holy Ghost. But only the Holy Ghost can make the book alive. And only the Holy Ghost can make you live the book. So what happens is we've found ourselves in an age where the word Holy Ghost has left our language because it's not important to us. Because your language is built around importance. What is what, what does a, let's go with KG, she's four, what is the word KG says more than any other word? Mom, 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 all day long. Sometimes I come home and just like, babe, let's go in the back room and leave mom alone for a minute, all right? Let's give mom a break. Why? Because that word is of utmost importance in her life. She relies on the word Mom. She knows that mom is where she gets sustenance. Mom is where she gets information. Mom is where she gets everything she's looking for. So her language is built around what's important. When's the last time you talked about the Holy Ghost? When's the last time we sat down and said, you know what the problem is? You're not listening to the Holy Ghost. I wish I had titled this Holy Ghost instead of Holy Spirit. It's a a word we've lost because we've lost the importance. Did you know that in the book of Acts, we all love Acts chapter 2, right? Where the fire comes down in the room and there's a mighty rushing wind and the Holy Ghost comes and fills them all and they speak in tongues and they come out like maniacs, just wrecking shop. And we all love that part. But did you know that two chapters later they go back and do it again? Why? Because it was so important. It was so important to them, but it's not to us. It's not at all. As a matter of fact, this is probably one of the first times you've had somebody really sit down and just delve into the Holy Ghost. It's foreign to us. If I was to ask most of your children below the age of 10 to tell me who the Holy Ghost was, how many of them could tell me? How many of them have heard the word? How many of them have seen the Holy Ghost operating in their home on a level that they know what it is? But it's so important. The first church knew they couldn't go two chapters without going back and saying, No, 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 no. This is the most important thing in my life right now. Yeah. And you have to be careful, but, and, and I'm going to try to do this the best way I can today without feeling like I'm taking a shot at the Bible. If you leave today and think I took a shot at the Bible, you don't know my heart. But you know what they didn't do? They didn't go back to the upper room and read the Bible. No, they went back and prayed until the Holy Ghost showed up. But what we do is we run back for counsel. That's what we've turned this into. And it is incredible counsel. It will put you on some of the greatest paths. Some of the most successful businessmen in the world, saved or lost, use principles and counsel found in this Bible to become as successful as they are. But what we've turned it into is this is the one that sits over there while I lay on the couch and try to figure out what's wrong with me. But he said, no, 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 no. You missed it because there's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So if we're running around with no importance placed on the Holy Ghost, then we can't expect to be living in righteousness, peace, and joy because he told us they're in the Holy Ghost well, my righteousness comes through Jesus Christ. Why was it so important for Jesus to leave? For who to come? He didn't say it's imperative that I go so that you can go to heaven. No, 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 no. See, he said it's imperative that I go because someone's coming so that you can stay. I'm trying not to get on eschatology rant here. So let's look into this. I, I, I was so intrigued by this, and I, I, I openly just, I admitted to Colby, in studying this and searching this out, I realized that I have a very shallow understanding of the Holy Ghost. As much as I feel like I operate in the Holy Ghost and, and it's a part of my life, it's, it's the greatest part of my prayer life. Now, to, to pray very much in English seems like wasted time. I'm just telling you my experience, all right? And so, when I begin to just dive into this and begin to look at this, I found if you want to go to Acts chapter 19, we're going to start there. And in Acts chapter 19, incredible stuff is happening. The church is just blowing up. The people are being saved, just countless numbers of people are coming to Christ. Believers are just spreading like wildfire in the midst of some of the worst persecution you could imagine. The church is growing. Acts chapter 19, starting in verse 1, I'm going to read about eight verses, and I think I pulled this out and put it over here. I think this may be the Passion Translation, uh, but just keep up with me. Acts chapter 19, verse 1 says, While Apollos was ministering in Corinth, Paul traveled on through the regions of Turkey until he arrived in Ephesus, where he found a group of twelve followers of Jesus. Another translation, your translation probably says, Believers. The first thing he asked them was, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became a believer? Your translation probably says, have you received since you believed? They replied, no, we've not even heard of the Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, I love this response, then what was the meaning of your baptism? (laughs) Almost like, then what's the point here? Paul asked, then what was the meaning of your baptism? And they responded, it meant that we would follow John's teaching. And Paul said, John's baptism was for those who were turning from their sins. And he taught you to believe in and follow the one who was coming after him, Jesus the Anointed One. When they understood this, they were baptized in the authority of Jesus, the Anointed One. And when Paul laid his hands on each of the twelve, the Holy Spirit manifested and they immediately spoke in tongues and prophesied. For three months, Paul taught openly and fearlessly in the synagogue, arguing persuasively for them to enter in to God's kingdom realm. So Paul comes up on some converts, followers of Jesus. And I love that he knows automatically that they're followers of Jesus. So that means there was something about them that he knew these guys are chasing after Jesus. They've become believers. And the very first concern that Paul has is, Have you received the Holy Spirit? Not where are you plugged in? What life group are you in? What church do you attend? None of that. The first thing he says is, have you received the Holy Spirit? In other words, you shouldn't have to go a day without experiencing what I'm about to give you. It's imperative. It's of utmost importance. Have you So you can be a believer... You can be a follower of Jesus and not yet have received this Holy Spirit. So Paul's first concern to the new believers is the baptism by which they were governing their lives. Now, that language comes from this. Their response says, when he asked them well, what was the meaning of the baptism, their response is, it, was, it meant that we would follow John's teaching. So your baptism that you live under governs how you live. So if your baptism consists of I'm a sinner saved by grace, then the rest of your life all you will ever be is a sinner that keeps needing grace to get over that sin. Why? Cuz that's your baptism. They had been bat- he said John's baptism was that you were turning from sin, and then he goes and takes the next step. but John said there's one coming And this is the baptism that you need. It's not just, I'm not a sinner no more. Thank God you're not a sinner no more. But how ridiculous would it be for me to join pre-K as a kid, and when I finish pre-K, decide, that's it, I'm done. Because salvation is pre-kindergarten. I am thankful for salvation. It changed my life forever but the day I got saved was not the best day of my life. Yesterday was. Why? Because I've been with Jesus for years now, and he just keeps getting better, and the Holy Spirit keeps teaching me more. Oh, that, that, that jolted some of y'all when I said that. Do you know, as great as my wedding day was, it wasn't the best day of my life. Yesterday was. Because I've been with her now for years. And every day it gets better. And the relationship gets better. If salvation was the best day of your life, you're doing it wrong. The Holy Spirit takes me from glory to glory to glory. And it just keeps getting better. So if for some reason it seems to be getting worse, maybe we're missing something. He said... Have you received yet? I can just, I feel like at this moment, Paul's giddy. Like, oh, I got something. It's about to change everything. You know what I'm saying? Like, have you received this? Have you received this? It meant that they would follow John's teaching. So their lives were built around John's teaching, which, let me add, was really good teaching. It was really good doctrine. It was what they needed at the moment. But I love Paul's response as he goes in, then what was the meaning of your baptism? In other words, what was the point? Why are we even attempting this if we're not getting the baptism John said was coming? If we're settling for John's baptism, then what's the point? If we're settling for the pastor dunked me in water in that thing, and then that's it. He's saying, what's the point? The baptism they were living under, so to speak, was the determination of what they could and could not do based on what John told them. If it was John's doctrine, then they were making decisions based on what John said. If John said, don't say that, they didn't say it. If John said, don't go there, they didn't go there. So they were being governed by the doctrine from which they had received from John, and Paul said, as good as that is, Paul said, there's another one. See, there's this one that's the Holy Spirit, and you don't need someone following you around saying, don't go there, don't say that, don't do that. You know why? Because something comes in on the inside of you, and I don't need you to follow me around and say, Josh, don't go to the bar, Josh, don't leave your wife, Josh, don't, you don't have to tell me none of that, because there's a Holy Ghost, Jesus said it's imperative that I go, because one's coming. You want to know what's incredible about the Holy Ghost? He keeps you from making the same mistake Peter made. Do you know what Peter's mistake was? He followed from a distance. How do I distance myself from somebody inside me? See, Jesus was just a human. That sounded bad. <laughs> Jesus was God in human form and could only be in one place at one time. So Peter had the ability to follow him from a distance. And when he did, he denied him. But if that one is inside me, how do I distance myself from something? In- y'all ain't getting it. Y'all ain't, y'all ain't getting it. See, because I can distance myself from Papa Flukey, right? If being around him... If his lifestyle convicts my life, guess what I'll do? I'm just, you know, I'm going to go over here and hang out with Colby. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that was, it just came out. But you know what I can't distance myself from? That, that voice that's in here saying, yeah, but that ain't you. That ain't what you're supposed to say, and that ain't where you're supposed to be, and that ain't what you're supposed to do. I didn't ask you to go there today. And, and and and, Oh, my gosh. And so what happens is we have a lot of people who are just distancing themselves from people, and therefore they get to do whatever they want, because they've distanced themselves from those that convict them. But if the conviction has been baptized into who you are, how do you get away from that? How do you walk away from that? We were in an elders meeting Tuesday morning just dealing with some stuff, and Kamal made a statement. And it just it was incredible. We were talking about just some situation, things that are happening, and uh, he said, thing is, we would be just as messed up if the Holy Spirit wasn't checking us all the time. And it just, I melted in my seat. I was like, my gosh, that's it. So then I begin to take on a compassion for people. They're doing stupid things because they don't have the Holy Spirit within them. And I would be just as dumb if I didn't have it in me. If he wasn't saying, watch out, Josh. Why'd you act like that? Why'd you respond like that? Why weren't you kind in this moment? And he's constantly doing something. And every time I step outside of the character of Jesus, he bumps me right back in and says, that's not who you are. That's not who you are. So Paul said, how How could you be a Christian without this how could you think you could live for Jesus without being baptized in the Holy Ghost it's impossible you could follow some rules anybody can follow rules do you know how do I do this there are certain institutions that will get you free from addiction but those institutions teach you that you're always an addict so you better bind yourself up real tight the church is the same thing we're constantly telling you, you're just a sinner. You're always going to be a sinner. So you better get an accountability partner and you better have somebody follow you around. Let them be connected to your phone so you don't search nothing bad on the internet. And, we're, and all we're doing is creating the same programs. I don't want a program. I want the Holy Ghost. I want something inside of me that won't let me go there. It won't let me say that. It won't let me be rude. It won't let me be unkind. It won't let me run around on my wife. It won't let me because I've been baptized with something and I can't distance myself. Sometimes I've tried. Sometimes I've tried and he'll be talking and I'll be saying, no, no, today, they about to get a piece of my mind. Today I'm doing what I want to do today and he's just constantly, no, it's not you. It's not who you are. You're not really going to do it. You just think you are. You're not as bad as you think you are. You're not as bad as you think you. And he's just constantly and he's, and, 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 and it, it. Paul said, how do you expect to do this without it? You know why Paul was telling them that? Paul wasn't saying that because he was saying, somebody's going to annoy you. Paul said, how are you going to do this when they come say, I'm going to cut your head off? You say, Jesus, one more time, I'm going to cut your head off. What makes you think you're strong enough? What makes us think we got enough gut in us that when the pistol's to my head, and they say, you deny Jesus or I'll take your life? You ain't strong. There ain't nobody in this room. There ain't nobody in this room. I don't care what you think about yourself. You ain't there. And you're not looking down the barrel. And you're not standing in front of the prison guards. But when you have something inside you that's bigger than who you are, I might not can stand in the moment, but he can't sit down. I'm going to throw something across this room. It's called the Holy Ghost. And Paul said, why would you try this without it? Are you just a glutton for punishment? Or He said, no, 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 there's this baptism, see? Let's go, let's go look at it. Can we, can we go to another spot? Let's go to Luke, where this story takes place of John the Baptist and Jesus. We got some stuff to get into, y'all. To live only in a water baptism... Or to live only under the government of water baptism is to live short of what Jesus made available. John chapter 3, starting in verse 15. I mean, Luke, Luke, you're right. We're going to read about John, but Luke's talking about him. Luke chapter 3, verse 15. I still hear pages turning, so I'm going to give you all a minute. Luke chapter 3, verse 15 says, Now as the people were in expectation, and they all reasoned in their hearts about John, whether he was Christ or not. Can we pause and reflect? This is one of those Selah moments. John was operating on a level that they were convinced he was Jesus. I've been called a lot of things. I ain't never been called Jesus. Jesus. I'm going to let this sink in for a second. This is, well, technically, this is the first man we see start operating in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Remember, he was baptized in the womb. Oh, I want to teach that. Y'all know how I am about family and kids. Go ahead and let me have one of them. All right, so John is operating on such a level, they have reasoned in their hearts that this was Christ. Oh, that's good. And John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. What is the fire for? I'm glad you asked. John's about to tell you. Or Luke's about to tell you what John told you. Something like that. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. And with many other exhortations, he preached to the people. Notice something. I need you to catch something right here. Because we're going to put this back into context because I feel like it's been messed up for a long time. He's talking to them, and he says, he will baptize you. I love I love. John's ability to make things personal. He will baptize you with fire. And what will that fire do? It's going to separate the chaff from the wheat. This is not a message about heaven and hell. Don't quit making everything about who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. This is about you. He said he'll baptize you. And in you, he'll separate the chaff from the wheat. He didn't say, I'm going to take all the bad people and we're going to put them in one pot and they're going to burn forever and all the church usually claps about it. I'm just going there today. No, he said, in you. Because there's a bunch of chaff in you. Mm -hmm. So he's not dealing with heaven and hell. He's dealing with you. He said he's going to baptize you in something and that something is going to separate some stuff. In your life, So Paul said, how, how could you continue being a Christian if you haven't received? Well, why is it so important I receive? Because when you receive, he's going to separate some stuff. He's going to deal with some stuff. He's going to baptize you in the Spirit and in fire. In the Passionate says, in fact, I'm not worthy of even being his slave. I can only baptize you in the river. But he'll baptize you in the Spirit of holiness and into his raging fire. Leonard, I believe it was Leonard Ravenhill, if somebody knows, correct me if I'm wrong. But I believe it was Leonard Ravenhill that said, God is a consuming fire. Which, technically, the Bible says that. But Ravenhill took it and said, God is a consuming fire. Because he'll consume your lust, he'll consume your bad attitude, he'll consume your pride, he'll consume your arrogance. He'll consume all these things. But you know how he does it? You know how he consumes those things? He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is a fire that will consume some junk in your life. If you're still living with a lot of junk in your life, it's because there's not a spirit there consuming it. He said, I'm going to baptize you in something that's going to change some things. There was a sculptor who uh, was given a giant slab of marble. And when he got the slab, he was standing there looking at it, and a a man walked up and said, what are you going to change that into? He said, I'm not going to change it into nothing. He said, are well, you just going to leave it a giant slab of marble? He said, oh, no, it's going to be an elephant. He said, you just said you weren't going to change anything. He said, I'm not going to change it. I'm just going to cut away the parts that don't look like an elephant. That's too much. That's too rich. See, what happens is the Holy Spirit doesn't come to change you into someone else. Jesus did that. He just comes to cut away everything that don't look like Jesus. Because the goal is to be conformed into the image of his son, right? So he comes in and says, oh, that's chaff. It's got to go. Oh, that's chaff. It's got to go. And he starts separating some things. And then you go into this struggle of, oh, my God, what's going on? What happened? You know what happened? Holy Spirit showed up. And he's reckless. He's, he's a little, what's the word I want to use here? Uh, he's a little abrupt. Because when he shows up, he realizes, wait, this don't look like Jesus. This doesn't look like Jesus. And so he said, there's someone coming because this water baptism, it's good. And I'm convinced personally, this is my doctrine. I'm convinced that John's water baptism would have got them into heaven. They just wouldn't have looked like Jesus till they got there. See, oh my gosh. See, the problem is I believe we have a water baptism and probably most of you are going to go to heaven. As a matter of fact, the more I find about God and how good he is, there's probably more people going to heaven than you think. But the problem is not getting into heaven. It's looking like it before we get there. But we're just convinced one of these days in a sweet by and by, I'm going to look like Jesus. Then what's the point of the Holy Spirit? Why send him? Why send him to me if the goal is to get me to him? Because it's not. Your job is to be here. Here as Him. The Holy Spirit shows up and baptizes you in something that starts transforming. And it starts changing some things. And the way I talked yesterday, all of a sudden it feels bad when I talk that way today. Now it just just, don't taste right in my mouth. He said, there's one coming. He's going to baptize you with something that's going to make a difference. This Holy Spirit comes and begins to separate some things. So as soon as Jesus has this experience of the baptism by water, John baptizes him. When he comes up, there's another baptism that happens. And we know the heavens open up and the Holy Spirit descends upon him like a dove. When this happens, the Bible says, now he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I need you to take a moment here. Jesus is 30 years old at this time. And he says, now being filled with the Spirit. Jesus. Come on, you got to read your Bible. you got to read your Bible. Look, Let's look at it. I feel like you don't believe me. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. After this happens, then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was what? Led by the Spirit, where? Wait a second. Now, I'm going to help God out for a second because, you know, we need to help him out so much. When he gets filled with the Spirit, he needs a stage. He needs a crowd of people. He, he needs some Instagram followers for everybody in here 35 and under. He needs, you know what I'm saying? He, he needs to create, he needs to create a, a public Facebook page and get everybody he knows to share his new status that I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm reading, I'm all up in your business today. Right? That's the way it works, right? Now being filled with the Spirit, here we go. We're about to do some stuff. they about to know I'm here now. They, you may have hid me for 30 years, but now I'm filled with the Spirit. they about to find out. Holy Spirit, where are we going? The wilderness. What? The wilderness? Where do you think I've been for 30 years? I was hiding in a stinking carpenter shop, eating sawdust all my life, and now I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, and you want me to go to the wilderness? <laughs> it's just too real. Sometimes you got to laugh to keep from crying. So verse chapter 4 verse 1. Being filled with the Holy Spirit, he returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now we all know what happens in the wilderness, an incredible story. But I want you to jump to verse 14. Verse 1, he's led into the into the wilderness by the Spirit. Verse 14, then he returned in the power of the Spirit. Oh, this is, this is where it's at. Before he could return in the power, he had to be led by the Spirit. You can't raise the dead if you ain't following the Spirit first. Let's bring it down to something more applicable. Ap- ap- you know what I'm trying to say. It says, first the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness. If you won't listen to him when he says, shut your mouth, what makes you think he's going to give you a prophetic word? If he can't lead you into a conversation with someone that you don't much care about or someone that you haven't forgiven yet, if he can't lead you into that conversation, how are you going to return in power? Because verse 14, I mean, I I graduated with probably, I mean, my math, Grade level was at least 7th grade. I'm telling you. I know some stuff. But what I do know is that 1 always comes before 14. So you can't have verse 14 until you've experienced verse 1. Some of y'all need to quit reading the book of Revelations and start reading Matthew. I'm going to let that one go. I'm going to let that one go. So what happens is he said, I was led by the Spirit. So then I had the opportunity to operate in the power the spirit so if if him leading me looks like him separating the chaff from the wheat then the power comes after the separation the power came because some things got separated some things got dealt with some things got taken care of i told colby the holy ghost I feel like we 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 don't have a handle on him, if that makes sense. Like as poorly as God and Jesus have been demonstrated in the art world. I mean, we all grew up in a church that had that painting of Jesus with the Lamb, you know what I'm saying? And Jesus looks pale white. I'm thinking this dude grew up in the Middle East. He wasn't pale white. I'm just saying. He wasn't pale white with blue eyes and abs. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he may have had abs. He was legit. You get what I'm saying, though? And we all have these representations, and I think as poorly as they are, they help us feel like we have a handle on them. Like I can kind of figure out this is who God is, and this is kind of who Jesus is. But what are you going to paint about the Holy Spirit? How are you going to put Him on canvas? There's no handle to grab. There's no, well, maybe it's this, and the, the mystery of Him has caused us to just back up a little and be like, I don't know. Because, you know, I like to have this thing figured out. I like to know the answers. I like to have a good understanding. But sometimes there is no understanding to you feeling, let's use Paul as an example. Paul's being led all over the place and seeing revival and salvation come on levels that we can't even imagine. And he decides, man, I'm fixing to go into this town and they're going to be just wrecked. And God's going to show up and the Holy Spirit says, no, you're not. You're going to sit right here. How do you put a handle on that? Well, don't they need Jesus too? Don't they need to? But it wasn't about the mission. It was about the obedience. It was about, I don't need you to get a handle on me. I just need you to do what I say. I don't need you to have it all figured out. I just need you to listen because I'm leading you. And when he was led to sit still, God turns him into another direction and we see people's lives completely transformed. Changed forever. On levels that we couldn't have figured. We couldn't have put, we couldn't have understood it. Why? Because he was allowing himself to be led. The Bible says it's the mature sons and daughters who are led by the Spirit. See, we have to understand there's a baptism of the Holy Ghost that comes into our lives. And to try to do this thing without him, it becomes a lot of regulations and restrictions and laws and and we need all those things because we're not operating in the Spirit. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you better have some boundaries or you're going you're gonna to lose everything. But when you have Him, He is your boundary. He is your voice of reason. But according to what we've dealt with and seeing the usage of His name in our language We've traded the Holy Spirit for information. And if I know enough, it'll make me feel better about the fact that I don't operate in the Spirit. And I could win an argument, I just can't pray for the sick. And we've traded those. Come on, we've got to get to the point where we're just being honest. Because I feel like I've studied enough and read enough, I could win some arguments. Like, let's Let's go. Like, I, it, for a while there I was legitimately considering you can ask my wife and Colby I was legitimately considering going to college for apologetics and doing online courses I even started into some of the online courses because I thought I'm going to learn some apologetics and I'm going to know more than you you know why? I felt like I needed to know more because I wasn't operating in the one who knew everything the Bible says the Holy Spirit will lead you into who knows it all truth all truth, everything you would ever need to know about life and godliness is in the Holy Spirit. And I could save a lot of you a lot of time of all the stress and the working and the the being super studious if you just had a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I want to read you something that I wrote and I actually wrote this I believe it's been over a year ago that I actually wrote this. And it says, we've become great at being students in a classroom, but terrible at being examples in the world. We celebrate how much scripture we know while ignoring how little we live. It would do us all some good instead of getting more knowledge if we just started applying what little knowledge we do have. People are not looking for someone who knows scripture. They're looking for someone who personifies it. According to John, people can only behold the glory of God when the word becomes flesh and dwells among us. That's John 1:14. People aren't seeing the glory of God because we know the scripture, we just haven't become it. We have a really strong philosophy with a very weak witness. At what point does the word become flesh and dwell among us again? At what point When does it start becoming less about what I know and more about how I live? Have you ever noticed there's a temptation to overlook a lot of bad character if the person knows enough and they have enough influence? If, if you're really good, if you can put it together and you can put words together and you know a lot of Bible, I'll overlook the fact that your character is terrible. And what we do is we create this idea That if you just know enough, it's called Gnosticism. It's actually what Jesus rebuked one of the churches in the book of Revelations. He rebuked them. He said, this thing I have against you. And he talks about the Nicolaitans and the doctrine of Balaam. And what that boils down to is Gnosticism. And it's the idea that if I gain enough knowledge, it puts me in a superior place of spirituality. When the spirituality has nothing to do with what you know, it has to do with who's living within you. What baptism. So I guess in a way I've come like Paul this morning to say, have you received since you believe? You know, I'm torn on that actually. I didn't know if I was going to go this way, but I had two themes of thought when I read those scriptures. There was something about them that caused Paul to know they were believers. But there was also something about them that caused Paul to say, have you received? You see what I'm saying? There was something that let him know they do believe in Jesus. But they're not living as a witness to the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe if we could be honest, that's the greatest description of the American church right now. We believe in Jesus. Like, I'll throw hands about Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't come at me about Jesus. But are we living with such a witness of the Holy Spirit that's in us? I was talking about being convicted because you hang around certain people, and I'm just going to be honest and vulnerable. I spend the majority of my life with one of the most convicting people I know, and that's Colby. We can... Uh, some of you know, we got the privilege and God allowed us to just jump off in and start this small construction company that we're doing now. And so we're at Home Depot quite a bit and things like that. And he's just constantly praying for everybody. And when you're someone who is a lot more reserved and, and just, just not, I mean, I was honest with you guys before. I told you I had a very limited understanding of operating in the Holy Spirit. And he's just jumping out there and doing it. So at first you can ask Colby what would happen. I'd be like, oh, I need a saw blade. You know what I mean? And he's over there praying for people. I'm like, oh, where's your nails at? I'm like, you've been here 14,000 times. You know where the stinking nails are. You know what I'm saying? And and but it's begin to do something in me and draw me in. And now when I see somebody that I think needs prayer, I'm like directing him to them. Like, I hope he sees them. I hope he sees them now. Kobe, look over there. And now, and, and I am, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm being as honest as I can be. I know you see me up here and I'm preaching and doing stuff, but I am one of the most introverted people naturally. Like, so introverted that I've convinced myself I don't need more friends. The two I got is plenty. Because to get more friends, I'll have to talk to you. And that scares me to death. You know what I'm saying? But it's just my nature. But I've noticed being around him now that, that now that it kind of excites me, and I see him. I see this working happening. I'm wanting him to see them, and then when he does, I'm like slipping in, like, "Yeah, I got in on that." You know what I'm saying? Like, God bless you. You have a good day. I'm glad we could do that. It was awesome. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's it's pulling me into this place, and and I have to admit, just the other day, I I, uh, I had to go to the hardware store without him. <laughs> I can't believe I'm being honest about all this and I'm not even kidding y'all I had this moment where I'm sitting in my truck I'm like God what if somebody here needs prayer <laughs> Colby's gone how who am I gonna put between us and I'm sitting in the truck and and so God didn't say nothing he's probably sitting in heaven saying gosh you idiot just go I feel like he <laughs> he's got his hands full with me uh so I went into the hardware store, and I just, and sure enough, I get to the counter, and I'm just being nice. I mean, I'm good at being nice, you know. Hey, how are you doing? But when you say, how are you doing, and their face changes, you're like, oh, crap. Why did I ask? <laughs> and they begin to just pour out and say, well, this person has cancer, and this is going on in my life, and they just start pouring it all out. And I could have swore I heard God laughing. Like, got you, didn't I? What you going to do now? They poured it all out. you got to say something. You can't just walk away. And it was just like in that moment, I felt him override me. I don't know how else to tell you that, and I don't even know if that's theologically correct. But I felt his compassion override my awkwardness. And I just reached across the counter and grabbed her by the hand. I said, we're about to pray about it right now. Because Jesus loves you too much to just let it go. Jesus loves you too much to let this, and, and he allowed you to pour this out before me because he knew, for one, I had to man up and do something, but he knew that somebody had to step up. Somebody had to just insert the Holy Spirit in this situation. Yeah, so that's a day in my life. Guys, if we're being just totally honest, I guess with a message like that, you need some humor just to get through it. But if we're being totally honest, we're not living as a witness of the Holy Ghost. Jesus told him, go into the upper room and tarry until you be endued with power to be a witness. Handing out tracts is not witnessing. Witness is what you do in a courtroom when you prove that something is what it says it is. And he said, first be endued with power then you can be my witness. If we try to get this backwards, we'll convince people to go to church. And that'll be it. We may even convince them into the water baptism. But there's a second baptism that comes with the power and the demonstration of the Spirit. And the Spirit is the very nature and character of Abba of our Father. I want to be a witness of His character. I want to be a witness of His nature. His character is who He is and His nature is what He's able to do. Can I tell you, I don't think you can ever demonstrate what He'll do until you first demonstrate His character. When we start loving like He loves, then we can start operating like He operates. That's what I'm after, church. I want to live conquered by the Holy Spirit. Conquered by the Holy Ghost. I'm going to try to make myself start saying Holy Ghost more so I can bring that graph back up. I want that importance in my life. If I can't change the national graph of the language and English language in our history, I'm going to change the graph in my life. And it's going to become way more important. Maybe maybe we need to be as bold as Paul and A lot of times when we're in public and we have these encounters and we talk to people, it's always, do you go to a church? Like that's kind of the normal. It's a little easier than just saying, are you saved or lost? Right? Just being real. And a lot of times it's just like a do you go to church type of thing. What if we, like Paul, begin to say, have you received the greatest gift in the world? Because I don't doubt that you believe. Most anybody you run into in this community, they believe in God. They they even believe in Jesus. But have they received this gift that transforms your life? If the goal is to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ, it's impossible to do that outside of the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. He's the only one that knows Him well enough to make me look like Him he's the only one that's been so close that he can do the things necessary to make me begin to operate like Jesus would to respond and love and to care and to all these things that Jesus was verse 1 he was led by the spirit into the wilderness and how I know this is tough to say about Jesus, but how he followed and how he responded in the wilderness is what got us to verse 14. It's what got us there. See, when I was growing up, I grew up in a fairly charismatic church. And it was Holy Ghost and fire to the 10th degree all the time. And I want to say this with respect, and, and, but what I struggled with the most coming up was seeing so much of what they called Holy Ghost and fire and all this kind of stuff, and somehow reconciling that with what I've seen in personal lives. I'm not saying it was everyone. There was some giants in the faith that I had the privilege of growing up under. I remember some elderly women in our church that were just phenomenal. But can you see how as a young person in that culture, you see someone up here doing the whole Holy Ghost thing and then trying to reconcile that with a lifestyle that seems so... And so I grew up like... And to be honest, the the more I thought about it, that's what made me begin to retract myself from all of it together. You can ask my wife. You can ask Dad. I became super cold to anything emotional. Like when people would come to the front and get emotional on any level. They would cry a lot. and do, I would start feeling that like, no, no, no. And I would feel that reserve and it would push against it. And God just began to pull me into this. Into the power of the Holy Spirit and what it does in our lives. And what He does is He leads us into a wilderness. So I don't want to give you this false understanding that you're going to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Speak in tongues, prophesy, which all that's part of it. And then you're just going to step into this incredible ministry and you're going to do all these incredible things. Because that's what we were told all of our lives. As soon as you get the Holy Ghost, you're going to speak to the nations. Well, guess what? I have the Holy Ghost and I've spoke to Louisiana and Texas. But you know what? I have a heart for Louisiana and Texas. What really happens is, you get filled with the Holy Ghost, and he says, all right, now let's go to the wilderness. Let's go deal with some stuff. Because when I first got filled with the Holy Ghost, if he would have threw me on a big stage and gave me a spotlight, it would have ruined me. I would have lost everything. Just the slight little scratch of notoriety I begin to catch and get calls to go preach and calls to be involved in this I could feel it in me and it just kept getting bigger and he kept saying yeah you're the one they're going to call now you're that guy you're speaking at the biggest young adult event in Louisiana you're speaking at this they're calling you and all that began to come you know what God did call everyone and tell them you're not coming and for a year you're going to sit and do nothing but God don't these people need Jesus? I'm just, don't they need Don't they need someone to come and preach to them? And it was like he was telling me, you don't worry about what they need. What you need is to sit down and shut up. You need to get into a wilderness and learn to die. You need to let the Holy Spirit take you down a path that cuts away everything that doesn't look like me. And you can ask my wife for a year just over a year. I said no when people would call and ask me to come. I stayed right here and I just stayed under you guys and I fed off the grace that y'all were giving me and of course dad allowed me to speak here as I was growing and learning in this process and as a matter of fact I come to such a place I didn't know I was going to share all this he brought me to such a place in that wilderness time of my life that when the first call finally came for me to go once I realized I was able to you can ask my wife. I was still saying no. I had to go to my dad and be like, am I supposed to go to this? And he was saying, yeah, I think you should go. And I was like, I don't know. I think I, think I should stay and do what I'm doing. I'm, I'm liking this. I like where I'm at right now. And you ask Colby, I still struggle. With, sometimes they call me, I just give him Colby's number. But he'll come. He loves it. But he had to bring me into this place of a wilderness. And you know what he dealt with in the wilderness? Me. He dealt with me. You know what's easy? Church services. This is easy. You know what's hard? Sitting down and looking in that mirror. Saying, that's some chaff that needs to be dealt with. That's, that's an attitude that needs to be dealt with. That's some unforgiveness. That needs to be- That's some pride and some arrogance. And it needs to be dealt with. And the, the tough part is, I didn't know I had that arrogance until he put me in front of people. So then once you're already there, how do you pull yourself back out? Because then what do you look like? People are calling you and you're like, uh, I, I can't come minister. So then in your mind you're thinking, oh, they're going to think you backslid, they're going to think you're doing this, you're doing that. All that's running through, but all I could do was be obedient. Because there were some things that needed to be dealt with. I love the possibilities that come with being baptized in the Holy Ghost. I mean, one of the possibilities is raising the dead. I'm just saying... But I feel like we got ahead of ourselves and wanted verse 14 and to skip verse 1. Let's skip the whole part where he leads me into the wilderness and he begins to cut on me and he begins to deal with stuff. Let's skip all that and let's just go into power. Power sounds good. You can't handle it. We can't handle it. Some some of you, hopefully, are praying for this church, and you want revival to come to this church, like God's glory, set down in this place, people getting saved, people just that we couldn't handle it. Because if we haven't been through the wilderness, and the Holy Spirit hasn't dealt with us and conformed us into His image, we couldn't handle it. I know we deal, and we talk about a lot of church splitting, and falling apart, and things happening because of, strife and things that happen. But you know, that happens to churches that blow up as well. Churches also split when they grow faster than their character could handle. Dad has taught us ministers coming up under him for so long, be careful that you never let your gift put you in a place that your character can't handle. And that's what happened to me. My gift began to escalate me faster And I feel like if I would have paid attention, the Holy Spirit was probably pulling the reins. But my gift was making room. And I thought, this is what I'm supposed to do. No, 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 no. You're supposed to be obedient, Paul. I know you could go there and look like a rock star, but I'm telling you to sit right here and do nothing. That's following the Holy Spirit. I don't even know how to end this thing today, y'all. But I want us to pray together as a body. I don't want to do music, nothing like that. I just want the reality of where we're at as a church body to set in for a minute. Some really big questions got thrown out in our elder meeting. and I haven't been able to shake them. I want to tell you, church, your elders in this church, we are pursuing, we are fighting, we are praying We are fasting. We want God's will to be done in this body. We want people to be spiritually successful in this body. So in doing so, we have to be willing to sit down and ask the hard questions. Get into the hard topics. Call each other out on some stuff. And so Tuesday, that was kind of happening and big questions were thrown out. and, And it's just had me in this place of wondering, how can this happen in this situation, and everything keeps coming back to there has to be a baptism of the Holy Spirit. They have to be conquered by the Holy Spirit. You can't even properly disciple someone who hasn't received the Holy Spirit. Because what are you going to disciple? What, 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 what can I tell you? If there's not that thing on the inside of you that's already telling you that, I'm becoming more and more convinced that discipleship is not teaching you something new. It's just confirming what he's already been saying. He's telling you, maybe you shouldn't go there. And then you get in a discipleship program and they say, you know, we probably shouldn't go here. And then there's a confirmation. You know what that is? That's if two or three agree on anything. Do you know one of the ones that have to be in agreement is your spirit? That doesn't mean we all show up and say, we think fried chicken is the best chicken in the world. And then because there's more of us, no, 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 it's not about how many of us. It's two or three. My spirit and what's being discipled, what's coming out, what's happening, are in agreement on this. And it's transforming my life. Because it doesn't matter how good of a sermon we give you. If you don't have a spirit that latches a hole to it, it's gone before you get out that door. One of the things I do, or I used to do a lot, in student ministry and i i i am wrapping up y'all one of the things i used to do a lot is the wednesday the the wednesday i would come in every time i would ask what did we talk about last wednesday every time and it would usually be two or three kids kind of throw out some stuff until they all kind of finally piece it all together and come up with something totally off topic usually but i was just in contemplating all this and talking about the Holy Spirit and how often are we just as bad? Like if I was to be honest and sit down and say, all right, everybody tell me what we talked about last Sunday. Y'all are so scared I'm going to do it. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? You know why? I'm not allowing my spirit to take it. Holy Spirit's not taking it and revealing all truth to me. Because if I was living throughout the week what I heard on Sunday then the next Sunday I'd remember it because I lived it all week I was operating in it I was moving in it I want to see more than I want to see church growth and big revival and all that that's all great I love the idea of all that and and it's going to be incredible when things like that happen but what I want more than anything for Life Church is for us to actually be a spirit filled church Now, I know we we put that on titles and signs, and this is a spirit filled church, but are we? Because I don't think you can tell whether or not a church is spirit filled by what happens on Sunday morning. The determination of a spirit filled church is what happens between Sundays and the impact that it's having. And I have to get this statement out before I close. I wasn't going to share it, but here we go. I was in prayer. I told Chloe about this this morning. I was in prayer this week. I was actually standing right there. And the Holy Spirit said, The lack of impact that happens when you're gathered together on Sunday morning is the result of the lack of spirit you've all had throughout the week. And I'm just standing there floored by this statement. And So I just begin to pray into it. I don't know if any of you have ever been in that moment where he just gives you one of those jolting statements and you start trying to process and pray. And he began to show it to me in the simplest way. He said, let's say there's what? Maybe a hundred so people in this room. He said, if you took a hundred people and they were conquered by the Holy Spirit, operating as witnesses of the Holy Spirit, and you took all them people and put them in one place, What would be impossible? What could happen? He said, it's not about because they're gathering here. It's the fact that they're not operating in that spirit throughout the week. So when you come together, it's not a bunch of connected spirits, it's just a bunch of unified people. But what we need is to operate in this level where the Holy Spirit begins. The Bible says that we are one spirit. Well, what would happen if we come in here and we're all actually in one spirit? What could happen? Last time I preached, I mentioned some of these places that we look up to and we draw from, like Hope Chapel and Bethel and IHOP, where they literally have worship services. And people are not praying for them, but in the worship service, people are getting out of wheelchairs, cancers being healed, and tumors are falling off. Why is that? That's what happens when you bring together a congregation of spirit-filled people and that spirit is operating on that level. I knew this morning was going to be heavy. It's been heavy on me all week, and I've spent most of my prayer time this week repenting. And I want us to come back to that place to where either we start operating as a spirit-filled church or we quit telling people that we are. One of the two Because what we're calling spirit-filled doesn't seem to be the same as these guys I read about that were spirit-filled. And it starts with our willingness to embrace the fact that if you accept this today and you decide, you know what, that's what I want. I want that baptism of the Spirit. Then guess where the first place he's going to lead you? It's the wilderness. There's so many references in the Old Testament of God turning the wilderness into Eden. But I believe it's impossible for Him to take your wilderness and make it like Eden if you refuse to let Him take you into the wilderness. A lot of what you're looking for is found in the Eden. But that Eden is actually a wilderness transformed. You've got to find the wilderness first. You can't have your Eden without your wilderness. You can't have your Garden of Eden without your Garden of Gethsemane. The Holy Spirit came to make this final exchange. So right now as we all begin to pray, I believe the Holy Spirit is bringing us to a place of a final exchange where I exchange my life for His. Paul said, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ that lives within me. The Holy Spirit has come to us today and I stand here just as a humble vessel saying, have you really received since you started believing? Have we allowed the Holy Spirit to lead us into a, into a wilderness that begins to conform us into the image of His Son, Christ Jesus? So Father, we today... Me as a pastor, a leader of this church, I repent. Say, Father, forgive me that I've ever tried to skip verse 1 and just get right into the end of it. But, Father, I want to be obedient. I want to, I want to hear your Holy Spirit. I want to hear where you're leading. I want to do what you're saying. I want to be obedient above everything else. And allow that obedience to begin to transform me and conform me into the image of your Son, Christ Jesus. And then and only then will will we be a witness. Will we be endued with power to be a witness to this community, to our family, to our friends. God, we want to be led by your Spirit. Forgive us if we've lost the importance of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Forgive us for trying to do this without you, for thinking we can make any decisions without the Holy Spirit. Any personal decisions, business decisions, life decisions, how to raise our kids, how to be a good husband, how to be a good wife. It's all found in the Holy Spirit. Every inadequacy that we find in our lives is a lack of our accepting what the Holy Spirit is doing. He teaches us to be the perfect husband. He teaches us to be the perfect wife. But we have to surrender and let him lead us. So, Father, this morning, we're just taking a moment. I refuse to rush this moment. But, God, we put the same importance on it that Paul did. we got to have this. We have to be baptized in the Spirit. We have to be conquered in the Spirit. Forgive us for doing church without the Holy Spirit. Forgive us for doing good deeds apart from the Holy Spirit. God, we want to be baptized in your spirit. Even knowing that it comes with a flame of fire and a winnowing fan that begins to separate things in our lives. so tempting to rush moments like this but i I, I hear the holy spirit saying that he's 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 pinpointing some things in your life even right now he's dealing with some stuff you got to let him lead you don't 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 resist this don't don't kick against this he's highlighting some things in your life you're feeling some things in you even right now and he's saying i'm i'm i just want to conform I just want to conform you into that image. He's just trying to cut away the parts that don't look like Jesus. Let him do it. Accept this this morning. It doesn't have to be some charismatic big scene where you come to the front and fall out and all this stuff happens. I'm okay with all that, but it doesn't have to be. Don't think that you're not going to receive a baptism of the Spirit sitting solemnly in your pew in honor of who he is. God, I pray that the fear of the Lord would just rest in this house right now. Let the fear of the Lord just set in here right now and give us an understanding that we cannot do this apart from your spirit. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes, God, we just want to be obedient. Father, we thank you this morning because you've been so good to us It's your faithfulness that continues to come back and remind us of the error of our ways. And you continue to show us the right direction and the right path because you're a good Father. And I thank you for that this morning. So I ask that as everybody begins to disperse and leave today, God, that even though we may distance ourselves from this building, that we be baptized with something that we can never distance ourselves from. A convicting spirit within us that convicts us, the Bible says, of righteousness. In other words, it's constantly reminding me of who I'm called to be. It's constantly reminding me of who you are, of who your son Jesus Christ is. Oh, let that voice be so loud in, our, in, in, in the inside of us. For some of you that are ready for this and moving into this, the voice of the Holy Spirit is fixing to become the loudest voice in your life. He's about to speak louder. Then some of the old temptations, some of the old ways, some of the old things that have always just kind of hung around. He's fixing to become louder than that. But how you respond to this wilderness will determine what you look like when you come out of it. Accept this, guys. Accept it. Let him cut those things away. It's happening. We're at that point now. We're at that point now where we have to surrender to what he's doing. And what he's saying in our lives. Thank you for listening to the Life Church podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.